Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. Wow, we have kicked off a new series. Pastor Nate did that last week. It is called Forever Young. Who's excited? That is great. I love personal growth. So I'm excited. I don't really love people pointing out my weaknesses, but I am growing in that and getting better and learning that, you know, when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on things, it's good. So I want to encourage us. This series means that the Holy Spirit is going to put his finger on a few things. And when he does that, remember, he is your good, your loving father, and he is doing that because he has something really good for you. He wants to grow you so that you can experience this fullness of Christ that our series scripture is talking about. So while I mention that, why don't you grab your Bibles? Pastor Nate threw an NLT version at me, which means I have to look through my cupboards and find my little NLT version. Look how little it is. But anyway, I have to read from it. But I will admit it's a very good translation for this verse. So Ephesians 4. 13 to 15. Why don't we read it together? It will be up on the screen. So Paul here is talking to the church. That's us. So he's talking to us and he's talked about how he's given, you know, God has given this incredible five-fold ministry to equip us, the church, to grow. That's the point. And he says, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Amen. Like I've got four children. I think we should grow up because sometimes that drives you nuts, right? We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, sorry, that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way to be more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, it's not a secret, right? Ephesians is my favorite book. And so I love this scripture, everything about Ephesians I love, because it talks about who we are and who God has made us to be, and who this incredible body of Christ is. And we get to be this part, but remember, the body of Christ is all over the world. It is the church down the corner. It is the church overseas. And we get this privilege of being in this body, C3 Victory. And I love this body. You know, we went on holidays, and we were away for three Sundays, and then we had that online Sunday. Do you know when I came back here, and I'm in worship, my first week back, I'm nearly in tears you might think that's a bit crazy, but I just love, I love you. And I love being here. And I love what God is doing in us. And I love the body of Christ. And that's the way that God designed it. We should love to be here. Like I know it's a good sunny day today, but I tell you what, you will walk out of here more refreshed, more inspired, feeling better about life because you chose to be in church on a sunny day because you love Jesus, not because you have to, but because you want to. When you come here with that attitude, I guarantee you, you will leave here going, I am so glad that I came to church today, that I was a part of the church. Amen. So I love you guys. 
I've said that now because when I start talking about obedience, you guys will still love me, right? <laughs> Remember that I love you. Hey, so Pastor Nate spoke last week. This whole series is about growing up. And part of why this is really important is because there is a culture in our world that tells us to idolize youthfulness. Now, this was news to me, but I turned 40 like a year ago, and apparently that means I'm old because now all my Instagram ads and all the ads that pop up on your computer are all for eye creams and face creams and this cream and that cream because apparently I need to now look like I did in my 20s, and I'm like... I'm actually pretty happy with my face. I actually didn't think I was old and I wasn't trying to recapture my youthfulness of my 20s. I'm actually really happy to be 40. Um, I really like who I am now and I wouldn't actually want to go back there. But the world is trying to tell me that I'm old and that's not a good thing. The truth in Scripture is actually so different. The truth in Scripture celebrates maturity. It celebrates wisdom. It celebrates growing up. In fact, that's what we're meant to do. That's what it actually means to be a disciple, simply to grow up. And I was thinking about this this week because at some point in your life as a young adult, if you're here and you're a young adult, raise your hand at me. Good on you, Jim. Jim's a young adult. I actually hope you have moved past, but... At some point, you actually have to decide that you're going to grow up in life. Like, as a kid, you will naturally grow. So my seven-year-old tried to throw a tantrum the other day over muesli, and I just stopped him and I said, hey, you're seven. You don't get to throw tantrums anymore because you've got enough reasoning to realize that that is utterly ridiculous. And then he stopped. Right? I'm like, at seven, you can't be what you were at two. So there's like this natural progression in childhood where you just have to grow up. You don't get a choice. But do you know what? When you hit your young adult years, there comes a point where you actually have to decide. And this is where the world's coming in and saying, no, you don't. Do what you want. Just work to live. Spend all your money. Travel everywhere. Don't think about the future. Don't worry about it. It's just live. Just enjoy. Just make the most of now. Just think about now. That is the culture that is getting thrown at you. But I can tell you, if you don't decide to grow up in your like early 20s, there are things that by the time you hit your 40s, you can't undo. Like you can't suddenly make a house deposit appear out of nowhere. You can't suddenly have a career that you love if you didn't actually invest into it in your 20s. You can't suddenly have like a partner and a family and marriage and all those things if you weren't actually growing yourself to a space where you're attractive to somebody else. And I think it's the same with spiritual maturity. That's what I just wanted to start us with today. Now, you might be 20, you might be 50, But at some point, you actually have to decide to grow up in Jesus. It doesn't just happen automatically. You have to actually decide. And it's God's plan for us, right? But we have to decide to participate. So show of hands who's going to participate. I love all those hands. I'll remember them. Awesome. All right. So how do we grow up? We know that the end goal, because we've just read it in the scripture, is like, okay, fullness of Christ. That is a pretty big end goal. And this is why we love quantifiable markers, right? 
because, you know, when we've got a big goal, we like to see this incremental change. That's what Pastor Nate was talking about with his running. He likes to see that he's going to make the goal. He's going to make that 22 kilometers, so he wants the numbers. But numbers don't always tell the true story when it comes to certain measures and things like relationships. You know, before I was a pastor, I was a speech pathologist, and I used to work with patients who had, had a stroke. And for some of them, that stroke meant that they totally lost all their language. And, you know, you would work with them for like a year. And at the end of that year, they might have five words. Now, if you were looking at that on paper, you would say, geez, Mel, not a great job. Five words. That is not a good measure. That's not good progress. But what those five words would not actually tell is that that person has grown in their well-being, that person has grown in their compensation measures and their non-verbals. That person has redeveloped the relationships with the people that they love. There are support measures around them. Those five words might give them a level of independence that they didn't have at the beginning of that year that is so important to them. So that's why we can't just rely on quantifiable measures when it comes to things like maturity. But also let's remember this. We don't just throw out measures altogether because it's not just viral osmosis that we are suddenly growing. We just got to have the right measures. There is a fruit to maturity, right? Maturity can actually be seen and there are deliberate actions that we can take to actually grow. And so that's what this series is about. Let's find some new measures. Let's find the right ones. Because we want to know that we're growing. Because you all told me that you want to grow. Okay, so fullness of Jesus. There are so many facets to his character. Where do we start? Now, I have lived in Bible storyland for a very long time. I have read Bible stories every night for the past 10 years. And right now with my seven-year-old, I am reading Bible stories. And uh, we are in the Gospels. And so guess what you read every night? Miracle. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Like Jesus is healing skin, he's healing eyes, he's healing legs, he's setting people free, like delivering demonic. And my favorite, he's just the practical miracles. Like just the other night, we read when he provided lunch. And I was actually thinking that would be awesome. Who here has got the gift of faith to pray for a miraculous lunch? Because that would work really well at baptisms today. Because I haven't got lunch. Because I've been prepping a preach all week. So if anybody's feeling faith for that, let's multiply some Subway, hey? But like, that's, that's awesome. Like Jesus was just living in a natural world, but he is interacting with this supernatural world constantly through faith. And what I sense the Holy Spirit wanted us to look at today is faith. Right? How do we grow and measure that we're growing our faith? Now, what we see in Jesus is the faith that we read about in Hebrews 11.1. Okay, this scripture comes out a lot when we're going to talk about faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's the faith that I see in Jesus. Like, I love that story of the lame man when he's just forgiven his sins and he knows that the religious leaders are like, well, I don't even know if you've got authority to do that. And he goes, okay, 
I get it. That one you can't really see. So let's do a miracle that you can absolutely see so that you know I have authority to do the forgiveness of sins. And the lame man gets up and walks. Like that is a confidence and an assurance in God that he could do it. Right? That is faith. Faith isn't this generalized religious attitude, I am a person of faith and therefore I have faith. I feel like sometimes that's what it becomes. Like faith is just this thing that we do and then we just expect that it's always there. And, but it just, oh, it loses that like grunt behind it, right? Faith is active. Faith can absolutely be seen. And it is actually what allows us to interact with God. Pastor Phil Pringle says that faith is the collateral of God. It is like what you exchange with God in accessing everything that Jesus made available for you. It's all there. We get to access that through faith. And it absolutely starts at salvation. Now, we, exciting, we had someone give their life to Jesus last week, right? So they're starting on this journey of faith. And like we've got Jeff today getting baptized. Now, he only gave his heart to Jesus a little while ago. He started on this journey of faith. And that faith decision is like the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So at that salvation moment, you are choosing to put your trust in God and what you are receiving back is like this forgiveness and you are receiving, receiving this assurance of eternal life with Jesus and access to everything that is in heaven. Everything of God, the fullness of Christ, that is what happens when you make that salvation decision. That is salvation faith. That is the start. And if that's you, what I want to encourage you to do is it's like you have a whole new life to build. Everything that you thought was true before may not be true. And so your next step is actually to start to build a whole new way of looking at the world on truth. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And what does that now mean for you? Who are you now? Like that is what happens. That's our next step when we take that salvation faith. And we should see that happening every week, church. Every week we should be seeing people coming to know Jesus and they can only do that if they get brought here. Or if you're talking about it during the week. You know, most people are ready for a faith decision when they come to church because they've got somebody who cares enough about their eternal life and about their life here on earth that they're actually sharing the greatest thing that ever happened to them, which is Jesus. Like that's who we're meant to be each and every day, right? But for the rest of us who are not new in our faith, we're actually not meant to stay in that place because faith isn't a one-time decision. Faith is a life of faith, right? It's a walk of faith. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. We should see an active and consistent increase in the boldness to believe that God can actually do immeasurably more than we ever ask or imagine. Like we say these incredible scriptures, we are meant to live it. That's what should be increasing in our lives. So the thing is, why do we need to grow our faith? I'm going to give you two reasons. You need it. 
You need to grow your faith because you need a mature faith. This world will come up against your faith. It will throw things back at you in terms of your reality with Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, I look at Eve in the garden. She was in perfection and the enemy came at her. We live in a broken world. We've got the world coming at us, not to mention the things that the enemy might want to throw at us. You are going to be tested. That initial salvation faith will be tested. That's why you actually need to hang on to the zeal. Remember, remember who Jesus is and that zeal and that, whoa, I have just found the answer to life, right? When you give your heart to Jesus, don't forget that. But then also we need to mature our faith so that we will actually remain strong as we're living life. You know, James says that testing produces perseverance, right? Testing of our faith produces perseverance, but it's that perseverance that actually causes us to grow. It's like this whole irony where faith helps us avoid a crisis of faith. So you need to grow in your faith so that you won't have a crisis in your faith when life doesn't work out exactly like you think it should. You have to grow your faith because you need a mature faith. It is no good to rely on somebody else to hold you up in your life. You know, Craig had a picture prophetically this morning of of trees. And when you have a tree, you you grow it and you put a stake beside it so that it doesn't fall over. But what he said was, if you leave that stake there too long, that tree actually becomes weak. It relies on the stake instead of sending its own roots deep down. I love that picture, Craig. That is absolutely prophetic for us as Christians because if we rely on somebody else's faith to hold us up, if you're relying on my faith as the pastor, if you're relying on Pastor Nate's faith, if you're relying on your friend's faith, that stake you actually, you don't grow. And eventually you will fall. We have to grow in our faith because we need it. We need a mature faith. But I've got to tell you, it's not just for you. Woo! That's a revelation. We need to grow in our faith because other people need it. Not so that we can hold them there and and never let them walk on their own two feet. But because we're meant to come alongside people, we are. You know, we've got people who are desperate to be in table spaces and we don't have leaders. We should be absolutely brimming with leaders, C3 Victory, because we are a mature church. We have got a lot of people in here who have got a lot of years under their belt as a Christian. And so we should have no problems finding leaders who just have a heart for seeing people grow in Christ. We also have a world that is completely broken and they need a demonstration of Jesus and they're not going to see that in a once a week Sunday Christian. Guarantee it. They need a demonstration of Jesus, that miraculous faith that we were talking about earlier. That's what the world needs to see. So why do we need to grow in our faith for everyone else as well? Because that's just who we are. That's what a disciple is. Like that's what you signed up for. When you actually became a Christian, when you gave your life to Jesus, you actually surrendered your life to serve his kingdom. You said, Jesus, you are Lord. I want to do what you want to do. Well, what Jesus wants to do is to see kingdom come 
here on earth, right now. Whew. All right. That's why we should grow. But I got to get to the good stuff. All right. So how do we grow? This is where rubber hits the road. Because we're going to turn to Philippians 2, 8. If you've got your Bibles, I do want you to pull it out. Because this is one I want you to sit in this week. This is a really challenging scripture when it comes to faith. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Oh, this is one of these scriptures we like to avoid, right? Or we just put it over in the Jesus box. That's what Jesus did. But then we just kind of read in Ephesians that we're meant to mature into the fullness of Jesus. So that would mean that's kind of in our box. So maybe instead what we'll do is we'll just put both of them over there in the Jesus box. But in case you were doing that, there's like other scriptures in the Bible that also talk about the same thing. So you're going to have to start putting a lot of things in the Jesus box. Hebrews 12.2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Joy in the cross comes right after the bit where the writer tells us that Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter, like he's the example of our faith, so we have to follow what he did. And then he gets joy in following the cross all the way to death. It's gone really quiet. Remember, you remember I love you? And remember that the Holy Spirit spoke this to me first, so don't you worry. I'm on the journey. You know what? We love the miraculous faith, but this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say. Do we love the obedient faith? The question we should ask is how did Jesus grow his faith to the place where he so trusted God that he was willing to die, even death on a cross. How did he have that much faith to hear God on that and to believe that that command came from a place of love, like from a loving father? How did he have so much faith to actually go through with it? Like we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is asking, oh God, if there is any other way, would you take it from me? He is a man, peoples. He is not some supernatural being that just floated through life. It says that he was tempted in every way that we were tempted. He experienced the things that we experienced. He didn't want to die on a cross. Nobody wants that. But not my will, but yours be done, God. You know the measure of faith? is not actually in the number of miracles that Jesus performed. I really hope you hear this today. It is not in the miracles. The measure of faith of Jesus actually is well behind the scenes, right? It is growing and it is absolutely seen in the level of trust and obedience that he had in the Father. We so often forget that Jesus is just like us. He's just like us. And yet what we see is this incredible obedience. You know, I love, I had a revelation this week of the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. 
He loved Lazarus. What would you do if your friend was sick and dying and they asked you to come? What would you do? You'd go, especially when you're walking around seeing miracles happen through the power of God, right? But at some point, Jesus heard God say, don't go yet. It's not going to end up in death, trust me. And so he waits. Lazarus dies. He goes and Lazarus raises from the dead. Like awesome story. And I've always read that story with the idea that, oh God, you are so good, right? You just showed the disciples and everyone there that you can raise someone from the dead. So now they can have faith when Jesus died. But do you know what I never thought of? What about Jesus' faith in that moment? That whole experience for Jesus. Wow, that just shows you how loving God is. That whole experience for Jesus was actually growing His faith. He just saw. He just saw that God could raise someone from the dead. He knows that He's going to die. He knows that God said, I'm going to raise you from the dead. And because he was obedient, he got to see it. You know, some of you might know my husband and I, we have been on this journey with a tune where it ended up with this crazy multi-million dollar building. Do you know, I can remember the first time God told me when I was a teenager, tithe Mel. And it was tens, like, I don't know, $10, something like that. And then I remember when I got a career and he said, now it's hundreds continue to tithe mill and it was hundreds and I was obedient in that I remember this moment came when he asked me to give thousands to this ministry and I was saving for a house at the time but I gave thousands and then I remember when it came to a vision giving big one and and like Simon I prayed and we just felt it was tens of thousands and we're like okay we'll give tens of thousands God And then suddenly we're on this crazy journey where we have to trust God for millions. We're still on that journey, peoples. And I just go, the grace of God, He knew that we were going to end up here. And so He took me on the journey, right? It was tens of dollars. Then it was hundreds of dollars. Then it's thousands of dollars. Then it's tens of thousands of dollars. And I see God provide all the way through that now at the millions of dollars, I'm like, oh God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. That's how God works with us. That's what obedience is. Discipleship faith is this step-by-step process of obedience so that He can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. Do you know, I was thinking this week, man, I love that attuned story, but oh my goodness, what have I missed? I know there are times that God has asked me to do things. And I've been like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pray for that person here. Man, what have I missed? What was that step to go to the next step to go to the next step? And I don't hear that in terms of condemnation. I actually heard that from the Holy Spirit as in, well, are you ready? What's your next step? Like, what are you going to trust me in? This is how I work. We can measure our maturity in faith by asking, well, how obedient am I to what God asks me to do? Or maybe He's asking me not to do right now. What am I struggling to trust God with? What do I spend all day worrying about? Or what 
am I not willing to let go of? These are all the areas in our lives that give us opportunities to grow in faith. This is the amazing love of our Father because they are not things that we should complain about, but we should actually see them as invitations. Right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us because He is giving us an invitation. Do you want to be the fullness of Christ? Then there's an invitation to the next step. It'll always be a step. God will take us on the journey that we need to go on, but we have to be obedient to what it is that He's asking us to do right now. We have to choose to trust His truth that He is good. Despite all of our past experiences, you know, the truth can't set you free if you actually don't apply it to your life. Doesn't just happen because we hear the truth and then the truth just magically sets us free. Absolutely hear the truth. Absolutely let it wash over your mind. But there will come a point where you have to act on it. That's when it sets you free. When you say, I will step out in obedience on that truth because I trust you, God. Church, what are the little steps of obedience that the Holy Spirit is talking to us about right now? I really felt that there were some people here today and you've had big dreams. And I want to affirm in you that those big dreams are absolutely from God. But I felt like the word of the Lord today was, don't chase the miracles. Look for the next step of obedience. It might be in a place that you're a little surprised about. Like it mightn't look like it's connected to the big dream, but it absolutely is. It is all about taking the little steps of obedience that take us into this place where God grows our faith. And then we see these crazy miracles of faith. This assurance and confidence that God is doing more than we can ask or imagine. Church, our distinctive is that we are faith-filled and bold. That's who we are. That's why the Holy Spirit is dropping this word on us today. Because He's saying, are you ready to grow? To be that people, to be a people who are faith-filled and bold. We have to be willing to be obedient to what He's asking us to do right now. And you know, we talk about this promised land in terms of property. We talk about this promised land in terms of identity and who we are as a church and and the things that we are going to see happen across this city and they are absolutely all true. Absolutely. But we're going to go there. We've got to be ready for the giants. The Israelites got to the promised land and it wasn't like la-di-da-da, we just walk on in there. There were giants There's going to be giants, church. There's going to be giants in finances. There's going to be giants in like taking on ground that the enemy has held for a long time. The Holy Spirit is saying, are you ready for that? Because your faith needs to grow. Your faith needs to grow so that you are ready to take that on. So church, we are faith-filled and bold. And God is saying now is the time to grow. You can't take a leap when you haven't taken a step. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.